funny how I've been thinking a lot. Uh, we moved our kids yesterday. Uh, how when you're in a season of something, you just want it to end until you don't have it anymore. And I was thinking about, I was driving back last night, thinking about all this rain we've had and and um, how it's just impacted my life on a personal level and some things that within family, church, and outside. And, and I was going, you know, it's easy for me to sit there and go, man, I wish the rain would stop. But then I got to thinking, I wonder what we'll be saying in July when we go, man, I wish it rained a little bit. So... I've tried to be grateful for what the Lord sends us and, and, and just assume that there's a, a reason for it. And so um, grateful for the rain. I'm grateful for sunshiny days. I'm grateful for the cold because it's not raining right now. So, uh, but the rain is coming back. So I have been by myself for the past week. And when I'm by myself, I binge watch shows that I normally wouldn't watch when my wife is at home. And one of the things I like to do is start scouring the History Channel and looking for documentaries that she would be uninterested in because they interest me. And, and so I've been watching this series on George Washington. And it's really cool and it's really good. And if, and if you like history, you need to find it and go back and record it, watch it, whatever you need to do. But it talks about his life and it gives you a behind-the-scenes look at his life. And we see not just the, the history part, the things we learn in school, but we learn about the guy who wasn't very confident. We learn about the guy who failed a lot. We learn about the guy who's all he wanted to accomplish in life was be a British general. He wanted to be a, an army, a, an officer in the British army. And when they rejected him, he said, fine, if I can't be with you, I'll fight against you. Became the father of our nation. It's interesting how circumstances swing. And, and in this documentary, one of the things that's really I've been reminded of is when you look at the American Revolution, how many things lined up absolutely perfectly. Weather, circumstances, uh, the American army in the right place at the right time, the British army in the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, it's amazing when you go back and look at how many times things just worked out. Because everything lined up just perfectly. And had it gone any other way, it probably would have gone a different direction. One of those things happened in New York when the British Army was, was advancing and George Washington was, was there with his army. And they were colossally outmatched and outclassed. Had no chance of holding New York. In fact, his advisors said, we need to retreat but Washington wanted to stay and, and try to uh, hold off the British. And while that's going on, and this circumstance, this, all these events coming together, in Philadelphia they signed this thing called the Declaration of Independence. And so as Washington's preparing to hold New York, or at least try, which he doesn't do, the Declaration is signed, and then it's printed in newspapers all over the colonies, it, it is, it's like the first mass mailer, you know, and the, and the day of current resident. You know, we love those things, right? I mean, I don't open those, and, but this is kind of what this would be. Hey, current resident, here's where we're at. And so, and what the Declaration of Independence did for the colonists was it gave them a cause that the British didn't have. And, and the Declaration of Independence is a really interesting thing because most of it 
if you know your history, is basically the grievances the colonists had against the British. We don't really remember that, but that's really what it is. But the parts we remember, the, maybe the part that's important is this. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And it's that last part I want to talk about. It's that last part we're going to talk about today. Because the Declaration of Independence states that God has given you and me a right to pursue happiness. That is our God-given right to pursue happiness, which means it's our God-given right to be happy, which means God's desire is that we're happy. That's His desire. He just wants us to be happy. The problem is, there's nowhere in the Bible where it says that. In fact, there are times in the Bible it talks about being faithful when things are really hard. If, if you go and you read through the book of Hebrews and you read uh, the list of people who were faithful in persecution, I'm going to bet those people weren't real happy about that, but they were faithful. And so, but we get this idea because this idea of the pursuit of happiness has become entrenched in our DNA as a country We've kind of transposed it into our walk with God. Now, let me say this up front. I'll say it a hundred times. Well, maybe not a hundred. I'll say it more than once. I don't think God is in the, in the business of wanting us to be unhappy. But that is not the pursuit he's called us to. So I want to tell you this story. This happened to me. This was a long, long time ago. This was when I was in youth ministry in Kingsport, Tennessee. And I got a call from one of my elders one night, 7 or 8 o'clock at night. He was up, at, I don't even know why he was up at church. But this guy showed up. And he said, hey, this so-and-so's here. And I didn't know who he was. And he said, but you helped his family about four or five months ago. Uh, we did some stuff for him, and you took care of that. And I kind of remember that. And he said, um, he needs to talk to you. And honestly, I, I just don't, I just need to get out of here. Can you come talk to him? And that's a pep talk, right? I don't want to handle this when you come to it. Yeah, I'd love to. So uh, I got dressed, drove to church, and sure enough, I recognized this guy. Four or five months earlier, don't remember the time sequence, his wife and his two kids, they needed help with groceries. We bought them groceries. We bought them gas, did some stuff for them. But the lady he was with was not his wife, and his kids were nowhere to be found. So we, we walked in and sat down and sat in my office, and I said, so what's, uh, what's going on? Where's your family? How's your family? And so this is the short, short version of what lasted for about 40 minutes and didn't last for 41 because I just stopped it. So this guy had met this lady, and I don't remember her name, and she made him happy. And his wife didn't make him happy anymore. And his kids didn't make him happy anymore. And he wanted to go be with her because when he was with her, he was happy. And then he spent the next 30 minutes trying to convince me that God wanted him to be happy at all costs. And I kept trying to tell him, not at the expense of your family. So we went on and on. So finally, I just, there comes to a point where I just say, okay, what's the ask? What is it you want me to do? Now, sometimes that takes longer and sometimes it's quick, but people who know me know when I get there, I'm at the end of the line. What's to ask? Just tell me what you want. 
I want you to go sit down with my wife and my kids and tell them God wants me to be with this woman. Yes! And I, and I just looked at him and said, you're crazy. That's not going to happen. You're wrong. And I, and I left. And I sent him on his way and I never saw him again. But I can't tell you how many times in my life I've heard someone say, God just wants me to be happy. God just wants me to be happy. The Bible says God wants me to be happy. And we, and we keep hearing all this stuff because, once again, our country is built on this idea of the pursuit of happiness. So God must want me. That's what the, we're founded on. God wants me to be happy, right? So here's what I know. God wants me to love him, put him first, right? God wants me to love other people. God wants me to use my gifts and talents for his kingdom, for his greater glory. God wants us to pray as if our lives depend on him. God wants us to be faithful. God wants us to be obedient. I mean, there's all kinds of things I can tell you the Bible clearly says God desires of us. But not one place anywhere does it say God desires that you are perpetually happy. He's not opposed to it. But it all depends on the why, the what, and the pursuit thereof. So this is kind of our jumping off point. Today. I, want you to, I want you to consider this, okay? And you think about the world we live in, the country we live in, and it's all about, you know, what can I have? Advertisers spend a truckload of money trying to convince you that their product will make you happy because that's what it's all about. But so I want you to consider this. The decision to pursue happiness at any and every cost has some very dangerous spiritual implications. Now, I'm going to read that again. The decision to pursue happiness at any and every cost has some very dangerous spiritual implications. I mean, it sounds right, and it sounds like it's what we should do, but here's the problem. Well, there's a couple of problems. One, happiness is fickle, right? Happiness is really fickle. So uh, my kids moved this weekend, and Friday, Alec and I, uh, well, the short version is... We get to the house, we go in, turn the water on, there's no water. But it was turned on a week ago. And I'm like, dude, I'm just telling you, there ain't no water coming to this house. And he goes to the valve, the valve's on, I said, that valve don't mean anything. There's no water, so he calls Haley. So he begins to panic. My son, I love my son. And we had a long talk about this um, in the truck Friday night. My son is the world's falling apart, doom and gloom. And I'm like, and sometimes I go, how can you be my son? And then he says something snarky, and I went, oh, yeah, that's why. So anyway, and so he calls Haley. They're panicking, and I'm like, it's going to be okay. This is a simple misunderstanding. They're going to charge us $50 to come out here. I said, dude, you need water. I don't care if they charge you $100. You need water. And so this guy shows up, which is funny. We're standing there, and he goes, do I know you? And Alec goes, are you kidding me? And I said, well, I don't know. And I told him who I was. He goes, yeah. And he, we, anyway, that's just kind of how it rolls. And so, and so this guy gets down, and we're standing there, and he goes, well, here's the problem. No one turned the water on. And I looked at Alex and said, told you. Here's the funny part. He was the one who said he turned the water on a week earlier. So he didn't come do it. And I think he remembered that as he got in the truck, because you could see his face going, uh-oh. I didn't come out here and turn the water on. I'm going to tell you, when that water started flowing, you'd have thought they won the lottery. 
They were happy. That lasted for 30 minutes. And then they found something to be unhappy about again. (laughs) Happiness is fickle, right? I mean, it's fickle. And the pursuit of happiness puts us in contradiction with God's desire of us. Okay, and contradiction is what this series is all about. And so one of the great contradictions of our time is what we call the Christian atheist. And the Christian atheist is is a person who says they believe in God, but they live as if he doesn't exist. It's a contradiction. I say I I believe in God, but my life demonstrates that I really don't think he's real. One of the ways that we do this and live in contradiction with, with I say I believe in God, but all I want to do is be happy, and I'm going to chase it however and I can and do whatever I can to be happy because that's what God wants. And it's a contradiction because here's the truth. Here's reality. When we pursue happiness at any and all cost, we have to abandon our pursuit of Jesus at any and all cost. Can't do both. It's either or. But, but Jay... No, it's either or. You per, to pursue Jesus is selfless. Absolutely selfless. Now let's be honest here. To pursue happiness is absolutely selfish. Happiness is about getting what I want when I need it. When I pursue happiness, here's what happens. It's caused this radical reversal in, in who God is in your life. And this is what I mean. So when you pursue Jesus at all costs, the Lord's first. He's first. You're second. Or third or fourth or wherever you are in the pecking order, right? When you pursue happiness, you're first, and God exists to serve you. Instead of, we exist to serve Him. Once again, God not, is not in the unhappiness but we had to understand that we were created to pursue Jesus. And you cannot pursue Jesus at any and all costs and pursue happiness at any and all costs. I would venture to tell you that when you pursue happiness, you will find moments of, of happiness. When you pursue Jesus, you can find a lifetime of it. And it's different. It looks different. It feels different. It is different. So when I say the decision to pursue happiness at all costs is dangerous for you spiritually, it's because it causes you to live in contradiction what God desires of you. What God desires of you is that we pursue Jesus at all costs. Proverbs 14 uh, says this, uh, Solomon says this, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. There's a way that seems right. Without getting into the big uh, hairy mess that it's becoming, there, there's, there, are, there are churches in our country that are, are going through some serious stuff right now. And, and what they're going through is this contradiction. Here's what God's Word says, and it's clear, and we've operated this way for a long time, but... If we kind of change, we can, we can make some people really happy and like us. And we want people to be happy, and we want people to like us. Besides that, sorry, the voice is going, by the way. Besides that, that was written a long time ago. And, and the Bible, and you've got to adapt to culture. 
Which is why some of our churches are about to face some really big decisions. Because the pursuit of making people happy is more important than the pursuit of Jesus. And that is not directed at anyone. That's just an honest assessment of reality. That's just the way it is. But that's the world we live in, and that's the mess we live in. So when I tell you to abandon your pursuit of Jesus, to pursue happiness, is dangerous for you. It is dangerous for you. It separates you. It puts you in conflict with God. It is just it is dangerous, but it's also dangerous because, as I mentioned earlier, man, think about in your just think about in your life all the things that have made you happy and things that don't make you happy anymore. If you're an iPhone user, first of all, you need to find the Lord. But second of all, if you're an iPhone user, um, this is this is my 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 kids' generation. When the iPhone comes out, the new one, man, they're pumped up and excited, right? Got to have the new iPhone. It doesn't care if it costs $8 trillion. Got to have it, right? Got to have the new iPhone. And when you get it, it's all great and good, and it's wonderful until Apple goes, hey, we have a better one. And what made you happy yesterday doesn't make you happy today because you don't have the newest, latest, and greatest of foams, right? And so we're chasing foams. And it could be anybody else. I just like picking on iPhone people. Um, because if I have it, I'll be happy until you get it. And you're not. Because there's something else that you need. If I could just get that promotion at work, man, I would be happy. If I get that promotion at work, I, I would be happy until you get it. And you see what it costs you. And you go, you know what? I was much happier when I didn't have this burden. I thought I'd be happy. My son, uh, now that I've said horrible things about him, um, just turned down a promotion at work because it was going to take him away from his family more than he wanted to be away from his family. And he decided family comes first. So some things have stuck with his mom and dad. The funny thing is he's trained in his new boss to the job that they wanted him to do, which is absolutely hilarious to me. And as a result, he got more hours on the back end and a schedule that's suitable to his family. Sometimes a dollar won't make you happy. Most of the times a dollar won't make you happy because you got you to pay a price to get it. What about this idea that when your kids are little and they're at home, and man, happiness is all of my kids when they're under the same roof. It's great. All the empty nesters know that's going to change. And what happens when your whole life is your kids and you wake up one day and your kids are in college or they've moved away, they've gotten married? What happens then? If your whole life, if all that makes you happy is your kids. And I have a friend who is wrestling with this right now. One kid in college, one's a senior. Her whole life is her kids. Her whole life is her kids. And her life's about to change. And she is struggling. Because that is what makes her happy. It's tough. So when I say to you, it's dangerous to, to abandon your pursuit of Jesus for the pursuit of happiness. To find something that's temporary. Little glimpses of happiness over here. A lifetime of it following Jesus. 
Paul says it this way in 2 Timothy chapter 4. It talks about the world that he lived in, which sounds a lot like the world we live in. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires. They will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Isn't that what we just talked about a few minutes earlier? They will reject truth and chase after myths. You know why? Because we just want to be happy. And we'll find somebody who's going to tell us what we want to hear. I have told every couple I've ever talked to, and I can't even, they're countless, who is on the fringe of splitting. If I tell you it's okay for you to split, you know I don't care about you. You'll know it. And I'm going to fight for you until that fight's over. Then I'll still fight for you regardless of what happens. People want to be told what they want to hear. Right? I like being told what I want to hear. So when you say the check's in the mail and it's not, those people like hearing that, but, you know, that's just kind of how it works. Then Paul says this, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the mission God has given you. Let me tell you what Paul's saying in a nutshell. There will come a time when people will abandon their pursuit of Jesus and instead choose to pursue happiness regardless of what that may cost them. It's the world we live in. And this is not a new thing. This has been going on for thousands of years. Since Jesus left the planet, people have been chasing happiness. When Jesus was on the planet, people were chasing happiness. This isn't something that America, Americans invented. This is something that's been going on for a long, long, long time. So what is it God wants? So God is okay with us being happy, which he is, but where, where's all this, how does all this lay out? So a couple things. Here's the first thing, and this is biblical truths. God doesn't want us to be happy when he causes us to do something wrong unwise or violates his will for our life absolutely absolutely god does not want you to be happy if your happiness is going to cause you to do something that's outside of the boundaries he's set for you that causes you to do something unwise that violates his plan for your life so when is god's opposed to your happiness that's when he's opposed to it when it moves you away from him when it causes you to do something that's going to hurt you or your family. And I've got a lifetime of that, so I know all about that. I bet I'm not alone. I mean, I've already lived a lifetime of chasing stuff. And when you get it going, man, I wish I never would have chased it. So how does this play out? Think of it as a parent. Think of it as in parenting. All right, so as a parent... Your job is to protect your kids, to raise your kids, to teach your kids to know the Lord. I mean, we talked about that some last year. I mean, your job is pretty simple. Let me tell you what your job is not. Your job is not to be your kid's friend. Not when they're young. I'm enjoying my kids right now, and our relationship is different. My kids still call me dad. They don't call me, hey, Jay. Now, my daughter does that when I won't listen to her. 
but that's a whole different story altogether. She's special. So anyway, so my kids still call me dad. They call their mother mom. Our relationship has changed. They're grown-ups. But they still see a mom and a dad. It's not my job to be my kid's friend. It's my job, it's my job to guide my friends, protect my, and in their grown years, when asked to help them and would not to try to keep my nose out of their life. That's hard for me, just so you know. So imagine the parent, and when I say this, this has happened more times than I know of. So imagine the parent who's got, under, who's got 15, 14, 15, 16-year-old kids who says, look, I know y'all are going to go out partying, and I don't want you on the roads. So all your friends can come to our house, and y'all can go to the basement, and you do whatever you want down there as long as you don't leave. Because we know nothing bad would happen there, right? And I know you're thinking, what kind of parents do that? If I could, I could name them. People do this. You know why? Because they want to be their kid's friend. They want to be cool. They want to be the cool parents. They want to be the parents where everybody wants to come to their house instead of just being the parents who parent their kids. My job when my kids were, were growing up was really simple. Take care of them physically, take care of them emotionally, and take care of them spiritually. That was my job description. And that was it. That was it for me. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. You know what happens when you pursue happiness and abandon your pursuit for Jesus? You become a danger. You endanger yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. That's how it happens. And here's how I know. Two examples from the Bible that just really stand out to me. One is in Luke 15, it's the prodigal son. The prodigal lived in his father's house. He was the son of a wealthy man. He had everything you could imagine. Woke up one day and said, this isn't enough for me. I want more, and what I want is what I'm entitled to, and that's a whole story we don't have time to get into. And his father said, okay. What he didn't want to do was pursue his father's way. So he stopped pursuing his father. And he went out into the world and he did whatever he wanted to do with whomever he wanted to do it. And as long as he had money, he had friends. His money ran out, his friends ran out. Jewish boy feeding pigs is a long way to fall. Jewish boy eating pig food is a further way to fall. But that's what happened to him. His pursuit of happiness Choosing to pursue that instead of pursuing his father's ways devastated him physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And it was not until he went back to his father's house and began to pursue his father once again that his life changed. What about Solomon? The wisest man who ever lived, or as I to call him, the smartest dumb person who ever lived. God gave him if there's one person on the planet who can say, God gave me everything, this is the guy. God gave him everything, every advantage. He ruled on the back of what his father David had done for him. His father fought all the wars so he wouldn't have to. The Lord gave Solomon everything. And it was great as long as he followed his father in heaven. But then Solomon woke up one day and started to pursue other things, things that made him happy. He began to abandon his pursuit of the Lord and began to pursue things that made him happy. And it devastated him physically. 
It devastated him emotionally, and it devastated him spiritually. Because that's what it does. Ten out of ten times. We know of his adventure because he wrote this little book called Ecclesiastes. What chronicles his life and as it pertains to the pursuit of happiness at all costs. And what he says over and over and over, it was like chasing the wind. It was pointless. It was meaningless. His last words were, I figured it all out. Fear the Lord and do what he says. Pursue the selfless service of the King of Kings or pursue the selfish pleasures of what you want. But you've got to pick one or the other. And that's the message of Ecclesiastes. I'm telling you, if it's going to cause you to cross God's plan for your life, if it's going to cause you to bring harm to yourself or your family, God's against you being happy. That's biblical. That's the truth. So what is it, what is it God wants? What is this, so what is it we should be looking for? And there's a couple of things. And I want to just interject this real quick before we move on. There's a difference in being happy and being content. You can be content and not always be happy. You can't pursue happiness and ever be content. It's just not possible. So it's possible for you to choose to be content with where you are in life today. And you may have some stages of unhappiness. And it's okay. It's impossible for you to pursue happiness and be content for five seconds. Because there's always going to be something else. So what does God desire? This is what I believe is straight out of the word. God desires that we are blessed. That's what he desires, that we're blessed. And he wants to bless our lives. That's what God wants. He wants to bless us. Why did, why did God give Solomon everything? Because well, if you study the life of Abraham, it's always about God blessing Abraham. It's not ever about God giving Abraham this or that. It's about blessing his life. Isaac, Jacob, on down the line. It's about God blessing their life. King David, God didn't give him a bunch of stuff. He blessed his life. God's desire is that we are blessed because I'll tell you this, if you can find contentment in God's blessings, you can find the secret to being happy. But if you can't find contentment in God's blessings, you will never experience happiness for anything but moments and snapshots. There's nothing wrong with being happy as long as it comes from the right pursuit. Think about your, uh, this way. We kind of wrap this up. Think about your kids at Christmas time when they're little. I want, I want, I want. If I get that, it'll be great. And you get it for them. How long does that last? I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand to say how many of you have exercise equipment at home that you hang clothes on or stuff in the closet. If I just got to have it and you get it, and then what do you do? You get tired of it. Because that's what happens when you pursue happiness at all costs. Every, every search leads you to something that will sustain you for a second. And then it, the joy is gone and you have to find something else. So consider this. Happiness lasts for a moment. And that's what it does. Happiness lasts for a moment. 
Happiness are a series of moments and snapshots. That's, that's what it is. They come, they go. But God's blessings, abandoning your pursuit of happiness to pursue Jesus at all costs, a selfless pursuit, God's blessings can carry you for a lifetime. God's blessings can carry you when life is unfair. God's blessings can carry you when life is uncertain. God's blessings can carry you when you are trying to figure things out. God's blessings can carry you when you're in a season where nothing is good and you are perpetually unhappy. Because that's going to happen. Because it happens to everybody. It happened to Moses, it happened to David, it happened to Noah, it happened to Solomon, it happened to Peter, it happened to James, it happened to John, it happened to Paul. You just go through the, the list. You study your, your biblical history. Seasons of perpetual unhappiness. They were experienced in a lifetime of God's blessings. So you tell me, what's the better pursuit? Something that's not going to last or something that can carry you for the rest of your life. Father, we are, we live in a world where there's so many things at our disposal, so much at our fingertips. Happiness at the click of a button. Happiness at the end of a drive or at the end of a conversation or time with our kids. The thing is, everything we tend to pursue in this life, wonderful things you've given us, they don't last. Our kids grow up, they move on. Jobs change, people change. What makes us happy changes. But you last for a lifetime. And your desire is to bless us for a lifetime to find contentment in pursuing you at any and all cost. We live in a world where happiness is our chief priority. Father, I pray that as a church, we can model for one another, for our community, that our happiness is found in our pursuit of you, that our joy is found in our pursuit of you. That's our prayer, Lord, because that's what you desire of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.